When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Joined now by my very good friend. We've been doing this every week for, John, is it 17 years? Uh, I think we're wrapping up the 15th. No, 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 15. 15. Yeah. Man, John is, we call him Johnny Guitars, but he's a terrific journalist. A very successful attorney in the Atlanta area, um, but he's again a very successful journalist as well. And I love his analytical way of thinking. And John joins us each week because we talk Raiders. Because I have a, a lot of people have asked me, you know, why do you have certain guests? Well, I have John for a couple. First of all, he's very analytical, and so I love people who are plugged in and analytical because there's they have a tendency sometimes to see things that even others don't. And I think he does a very good job of that. Plus, so he's, he watches the Raiders intently because this is what he does with us, but also because when we go around the NFL, it brings an analytical view, sometimes a legal view. And I really think he gives us not only a great shot of the Raiders every week, but about the NFL. So John, First of all, Merry Christmas to you and Alicia. I hope she's doing really well. And uh, from especially from my family, you know how much we love you. And so let's get into this now. Nobody likes a late bye week. But dear God, did it work out great for the Raiders this year. That was an early Christmas present from the football gods. Yeah, we talked about it this summer. They were going to have 12 weeks in a row. You know, there's that bye week before the season starts, 12 weeks, then then the break, and then kind of a sprint to the finish with a little scheduling quirk with the, with the Chiefs showing up twice. Timing-wise, I think it actually does work pretty well for them. They know what they need to do because they basically have to win probably all the games or at least four of them to have any shot at a playoff. So that part's done and simple. You could say... They get the Vikings at a very interesting time because they do. Justin Jefferson is supposed to come back. Josh Dobbs had a bad event last time out. But that sets up pretty well for the Raiders. They know what they've got to do. They know 
they've been preparing in a unique way. And I wonder how that will do with the focus around the building. It's professional football. We shouldn't need to work so much on focus. Okay. Now, in reality, when you're playing two games in five days and you're preparing for two opponents at once, essentially, I wonder if that does shape and frame stuff differently. Sometimes people get distracted. It happens all the time. It's probably less likely to happen when everybody's not maybe working double time because of the constraints on the the rules, but they're preparing for two. It is going to be a real interesting time. We're going to know a whole lot more late Thursday night, but the first things first, Minnesota. Now, the thing that I'm excited about is I think this is a real chance. I mean, you play, then Bam, four days later, your arch rivals here for a national game. I just think this is an incredible opportunity. The Raiders have, the Raiders have two more national games left. And I don't it, I don't think they're going to get to 10 wins. I certainly think they could. I don't think they're going to. And I think if they get to 10 wins, they'll get the playoffs. I don't think there's any shot at nine. I mean, small. But um, I just think to me, the, these next two games, what an opportunity for the players to make a statement. AP's our guy. This is our guy. Bam with the Vikings. Bam with the Bolts. Back to seven and seven with three games left. Dear God, I love football, John. Yeah, that, that would really be something. Um, they're going to send a statement uh, no matter what. Here's what I mean by that. To quote the great rock band Rush, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Let's right. apply that to the Raiders. If for some reason guys did not like Antonio Pierce, which doesn't appear to be the case, they checked out, they'd start mailing it in, they would get floored in these two games, and that would pretty much seal the deal. Not just Pierce, anyone in this situation. So they're actually right. gonna send, they're gonna send a statement no matter what. But the statement is going to be really strong if they show up, they look prepared, they look energized, they continue to play with the kind of energy that they have. If that happens, I think that we could probably be um, to, well, I mean, we could be to Christmas Eve, to Festivus, if you will, or to Christmas Day, and there would be a huge lot of momentum behind Antonio Pierce to be named the full-time head coach. So a uh, secondary story, because to win them obviously is the first, secondary story is the Raiders are going to send a message to their owner and to their fan base about how much they are playing for Antonio Pierce with these two games in five days. No doubt about it. Let's talk about Antonio Pierce for a minute because you know this. I've told you private. I mean, he and I share mutual friends. So it wasn't like I was unfamiliar with AP before he got the interim job. But I really respect, uh, earlier this week, my dear friend Braylon Edwards was on the show, which you, on Tuesday, he was phenomenal and always is. And, you know, he's been friends with AP a long time. And he had told me a lot privately you know, that he always thought he was going to be a head coach. He was just that kind of leader, even though Braylon was on the Jets and he was on the Giants and how he mentored them. And it just all, it was really cool. But it's cool to me to watch AP. 
He's not making this about him. I mean, he said the other day, hey, my team's running out. He's making it about the players. And the more he makes it about the players, the more they're making it about him. It's really, it's been fun to watch. He gets it. The, the switch has clicked in him. You know, some guys get it. They understand the locker room. They understand the dynamics. They get it. They understand it. He gets it. He understands it. His players have been ready each and every week. They've played hard. They've not played mistake-free, but they have played hard. They've been prepared. They've been ready. It's fascinating to watch his handling of this team, isn't it? It is because he's got the perspective of of playing at a high level for a long time. Uh, what I mean by that is he wasn't in the league for such a short period of time that he didn't really get to appreciate the full four seasons of a career, if you will, from when you're coming in to developing your game, mastering your game, and then when it's probably time to go. Then he goes on and does some uh, work at the college level. So you're dealing with a totally different place and time in a guy's career. But now the ability to apply that as a head coach in the NFL, uh, that's probably experience that he would find more valuable now than he may have perceived it to be at the time relative to being an NFL coach. What I mean is when he's working there as an assistant under Herm Edwards, he may not be realizing, hey, this is really going to help me if I'm a head coach at the NFL level, where now it's like, oh, that actually helped. What I like to see, what strikes me is, his demeanor on the sideline is consistent and it feels like it's running at like 80, 85% all the time. He's not blowing a stack too much that I've seen and he's not like asleep at the wheel either. And I think that's probably a little bit intentional and specific. And my guess is he's modeling it after some of the coaches that he liked playing for and working under and maybe away from the ones that he did not. And there is a real value in that when you talk about how it, when you're about the players, it seems to feed their love for the coach. We are seeing that in a totally different and unique situation in Miami, watching in-season hard knocks, as I know a lot of the folks are. You're like, this, this does not look like traditional NFL football. This does not look like the normal situation between players and coaches but you see how it feeds itself and that's a unique situation that will work well as long as that is the case pierce to me seems a little bit more traditional but really coming at it from a former player angle you know art shell comes to mind of course because he coached at the raiders and obviously he was a tremendous player um we see D'Amico ryan's in houston a more recent recent player and then you contrast that with, you know, Tom Coughlin, who Antonio Pierce played under, which is a totally different thinking or, or mindset. What I see is, what it looks like is, he actually had put a lot of thought into the kind of head coach he wanted to be before he said, okay, I'll take this job. And I don't know that we could have expected that before he was named. Um so he probably he probably came into this maybe a little more or a much more prepared than we realized. And you see the evidence with the players' attitude, their effort, and their desire to play for all 60 minutes. And until otherwise, we're going to expect to see that two times in five days with full power, full gas. 
I want to address something that Braylon said that I I have never heard. That's why I love surrounding myself with friends like you and Braylon and other people. I love hanging around smart people and good people. But we were talking about a player's coach. Did you hear it? I mean, his comments were just yep. brilliant. He goes, you know, everyone thinks a player's coach is, is this guy that lets the players do whatever they want. He goes, that's not true. Players coach. You could be a disciplinarian and be a player's coach. A player's coach is, hey, I care about you. I'm accessible to you. I'm going to call you out when you're not. I, was his analysis not absolutely brilliant? It sounded like it. Yeah, that's the thing that stood out to me about that discussion. I don't remember hearing somebody break it down in exactly that way. Um, and I even dragged the thing back to listen to uh, part of it again. And I probably will do that again in the future. What he presented was basically, here's what a player's coach is right now. Um, and it really is not what I get. You know, there's so many fans of professional football. It's the most popular form of entertainment in the country. Uh, some of us lose perspective of just how many different frame of references or thoughts there are, thought process there are about what a player's coach is. So while you're watching this show and you may have already seen Braylon Edwards break this down and you may have a better idea of what a player's coach means to an NFL player, a lot of folks probably did not. And when he said that, I kind of went back for a second and was like, oh, I guess I didn't realize that. You know, um, fans of the Steelers that think Mike Tomlin is a, is a terrific player's coach. Okay. Uh, what that means to different folks is more disconnected to what it means to NFL players, I think, than we probably realized. And that's why that was the number one thing that stood out to me about that chat, for sure. I have to tell you, I was talking to a native Alaskan one time and when I was up in Alaska, and he was talking about how the Atabascan, I think I'm pronouncing it correct, the Atabascan people have like 70 words for snow. And, you know, it can be, you know, the fluffy snow that if you've ever been around snow, you can't make it into a snowball. Or it can be the hard packing snow, whatever, but it's almost 70 words. I thought that Atabascan, excuse me. Anyways, uh, and he goes, whereas you guys say snow, you know, we say, you know, what kind of snow? Anyways, my whole point was, it's interesting as a journalist. It's interesting as a, a fan. It's interesting then to get a perspective from a player. I just thought it was, it was so good that I had an NFL executive, I'll tell you who when we go off air, tell me he sent it to his staff and said, listen, Watch Braylon Edwards. Listen to what he says. Send it to his head coach. That's how he goes. I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really good too. All right, one more quick note that on the Raiders, and I want to talk some NFL with you. Um, I made this statement on the show yesterday. Uh, no, it had to be two days. Yeah, it was yesterday. So no. All right, whatever. It was two two days ago. I don't remember now. It all runs together. We do one or more of these a day. So anyways, on the show, I talked about if anyone, Mark Davis, Champ Kelly, who I want to get the GM job, or anyone that Mark brings in calls this a rebuild, that is football malpractice. You've got the best kicker, the best punter, 
Your long snapper is very, very good. Your, your special teams have been excellent. Your defense, considering you spent over $100 million on the offense, only $60 millions on the defense, Patrick Graham's been great. <clears throat> Colton Miller, one of the best left tackles, one of the best running backs. Um, you've got arguably, I think he's become the best in the NFL, and Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer. I mean, I can keep going. This is anyone call well, you know, it's a rebuild or treats it like a rebuild. I don't care if they say it's not, if they treat it like a rebuild, that is football malpractice. Man, I'm throwing spin around. I'm so excited. Your thoughts on that? Did you think I was too too strong? No, I don't think so. You know, and from an outside perspective, um, the Raiders have made a mess in recent years. So the outside perspective of the Raiders is that things are probably worse there than they actually are. When we saw mm -hmm. the Raiders nationally earlier this year, and we saw Troy Aikman, he, he uh, specifically, he tried to make a real big point to that big audience that, look, the Raiders have a lot of talent. This is not that bad of a franchise. It's not like it's far off. I can understand the thinking of you don't know the stability of the quarterback. You, you've signed the wrong quarterback. He, he, he was hurt. Now you've moved on to a rookie. I understand that. I understand that the enormous subtraction of any kind of starter with the, with the kind of money that Chandler Jones was paid with an unfortunate situation developing. I understand that too. But because of what you laid out because of Max Crosby playing at such a high level, Crosby, Adams, Jacobs. No, this does not look at all like a rebuilding project. This looks like one of those teams that is maybe one to three pieces away from being able to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, who now look a little bit vulnerable until they find somebody that can go down the field and catch the deep ball. We all have seen the same thing. Everyone knows what's that this is. It's not that the Chiefs are bad. They're just not quite as good as they were. And in reality, the Raiders, I think the, the reality is they're not many pieces away from being within a puncher's chance. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, John, one of the things, you know this, I have so many friends in management, coaching, or playing on nearly every team in the NFL. I don't get to be a fan. First of all, as a journalist, that just wouldn't be the way to do it. But I don't get to be a fan. But that doesn't mean I'm not rooting for good people. And I'm going to tell you something. You knew this from years ago when Matt Millen said, you know, every NFL team's fans think they're part of the team, but there's only one, the Raiders, where the players think the fans are part of the team. I have just so fallen in love with these Raider fans. They are just so incredibly misunderstood their franchises sold them for decades just win baby and they haven't these people john i'm telling you they are faithful now yeah. they are faithful faithful they don't deserve it and as a media person who covers this team i will call that out Anybody who tries to rebuild the Raiders right now, that's just buying more time from this fan base. And enough's enough. Win. They yeah. need somebody to seize the horns and say, we can win. Let's go. We got. We made some mistakes. Let's correct them. Okay. Maybe they've got their quarterback. Maybe they don't. That That's the next guy's decision to make. But that doesn't require a rebuild. 
I, I'm going to tell you something. I am really feeling bad for these fans, and they deserve better than what they've been given, and it's time for that to turn. Now, I think AP can do it. He's got five more games to show. But I think him and Champ Kelly, I'm, I'm rooting for him to get it. But, man, I'm telling you what, I keep hearing, well, you know, they're going to have to rebuild. No, this fan base, no. No, 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 no. Enough. You know, when you brought in Josh McDaniels, you said it's not a rebuild. We're going forward. Well, you went backwards. And don't sell these fans chicken excrement and tell them it's chicken salad. Enough's enough. There's a lot of pieces here. There's a lot of great players. Time to go forward now, John. Yeah, it is. And we talked about it, I think, last week that the next hire is really going to be um, – the one that stands out, it's going to be the fork in the road, either good or bad. There is a stability in the Raider franchise that really hasn't been around for for decades when they started bouncing around. That um, just hasn't. From the first bounce out of Oakland, there was always some, some instability. There's absolute stability now without any question. So that is good. Um, you have an expanded fan base because of some of that moving and shaking. Sure, some people check out, other people check in. And Las Vegas is a growing uh, area. Nevada, this, that's the team um, for the state. So you've got some, some headwinds behind. And this is a fair statement to make that this is not, it's not anywhere near a rebuild. Uh, that's not, even that term is a little loose at the NFL level. But if there was no Adams, no Crosby, no Jacobs, if there was um, no left tackle, then you may be thinking rebuild, but this is not like a roster like Houston had a year ago, for example. No, no, no absolutely not. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, John, I got to get you out here. You got to come out and just uh, meet these people. It, it is phenomenal to me just meeting them and hearing their stories. And their, you know, at first I thought it was humorous. That every time I get an email or a comment, it's always, Hondo, I've been a Raider fan since 67, 76, 84. They know the game or the play. They know it. Now, I am just so appreciative. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you, John. And you know my years of covering college sports. It is the NFL. Them in Green Bay are the NFL version of college with passion from their fan base, loyalty. I mean, listen, watch the – everyone tells, oh, the Cowboys fan base is huge, and it is. Jerry Jones has done a great job, but it wasn't when they suck. And no. I'm not saying they're great now, but at least they're competitive and they're in the discussion. For, when, the, when the Cowboys suck, well, you can't find a Cowboy fan. But I'm going to tell you, when the Raiders suck, they're still running around, Raiders. I, it's, and and I, I mean that in a respectful way. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Okay, Johnny. Hard knocks. I love it. You know that. I'm a big fan. I think this season of, and it's only the second, 
But I think this season, this in-season season with the Dolphins, may be the best of them all as far as really pulling back the curtains. I thought the Jets this year was the worst. Um, It was the worst season of hard knocks. It was terrible. It was horrible. It sucked. This may be the best season of it. Your thoughts. What's standing out to you? My guess is that um, the ownership said, handle this however you want. Mike McDaniel and GM, and he said, fine, we don't have anything to hide. It does feel like they're catching something a little bit magical here. There yes. are, it's a unique team with an extraordinarily unique coach, but some of the stuff he said last week, um, talking, he broke down Tua Tungavailoa's throwing mechanics. He broke down how important it is that he has a very wide base he compared that to Drew Brees because he said at this level, you don't have time to take a big step when you throw. I don't remember anybody saying that. And I would think that a lot of NFL teams would not let that air. So this week's episode that has that, you need to find it if you can. It's an incredible insight into a couple of things. Uh, what it takes to play quarterback at the NFL level as far as getting the ball out. And when you see guys' arm strength vary, um, how it can be improved. He talks real specifically about Tua's core is the power. He actually makes a golf comparison, which is not off. It's not completely off. Um, but when you think about guys that have elevated their arm strength, whether it was Kirk Cousins and, and obviously Tua there, that's the kind of insight that makes that show so unbelievable for super fans of football. He explains, he uses a comparison, and I don't I don't imagine the rest of the teams in the league wanted want that out there, but if you're a high school or a college quarterback, you just got a lesson from one of the top minds in the sport right now offensively, one of the quarterbacks playing the best in the in the in the sport right now, about what the actual difference is between okay, functional, and great. And McDaniel's like, hey. This is why this guy's great, because he can get the ball out. He can get the ball out because he's already got a wide base. And here's a comparison of how important that is. And it just it kind of blows your mind. It was really, really, really if good. You're a football person that wants to learn the game or is constantly trying to learn more. This was almost going in a classroom episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, they got a unique situation there. They they knew they were going to blow the Washington football team out. And they also were, um, it was interesting to, to get honest assessment of Mike McDaniel really likes Sam Hartman, the quarterback in Washington. I think that caught some, maybe would, it caught me a little bit by surprise because he, I don't think he was blustering. He, he thinks this guy can play a little bit. That was interesting to hear. Um, and then you get to see the whole scene of the uh, Washington football team deciding to single cover Tariq Hill and how that went. So it was a good one. Yeah. And then and then and then on Monday night you get to see uh, on the Manning cast uh Tua ripping out his guitars and playing guitar on on live TV. Tua looks locked in also. I mean, I understand he's a locked in guy. I was actually in Hawaii when he was in high school. That's the first time I ever heard of him. Um uh, from June Jones who said this is the best quarterback we've ever seen. Uh, but they look locked in, and this is going to be a fun ride to finish with Hard Knocks this uh, in season. Well, what'd you think of Tua on the Manning cast? Uh, I I think he's really locked in. 
um, he, he appears to be an easygoing yet serious and focused guy, and he can play the guitar a little bit. So I'm a bigger fan now than I was before. Two quick things, and then I'm going to move on to our, our, our quick picks. Um, NFL, why is there no game this Saturday? The, the, the college football isn't playing. There should be another national game. Rarely does the NFL screw up. This is a big one. I don't know. I understand the deference to the Army-Navy football game. That's fine. You can clear that out. But I would think that there would be a space for a, a game or two at night. The NFL schedule after Thanksgiving is, is a moving target. We're going to see two Monday night games this week. That's fine. Why aren't we seeing two Saturday night games this week? That would be maybe something that would hopefully be tweaked in the future. People can't get enough of it. We want more of it. I'm going to be sitting at home Saturday night playing one of these things, wondering why I'm not watching a football game in the NFL also. Have you ever been to Army-Navy game? No. I mean, they've been around, obviously, the Mid-Atlantic, but no. Listen, just go. <laughs> I've been to so many Super Bowls I can't even remember. I've been to Stanley Cup Finals, World Series, NBA Finals, um, Stanley Cup. I've been to them all. I've national championship games, bowl game, whatever. Nothing. Oh, my God. My country matters to me. I know it matters to you. I love America. And it is when you're there with a, tens of thousands of warriors who are going to go put their life on the line for us. And it's just, it's, it's magical and go Navy. All right. Now, <laughs> sorry, my family's Navy. Well, my dad is Navy. My sisters were army. So uh, my two, my dad and brothers were Navy. My sisters were army, but still go Navy because of my dad. All right. Last real quick. There is so much discussion about banning the tush push. I'm so tired of hearing about this. It's like the only people that want it stopped are those that get beat by it. I think you let it go because everything in the NFL is cyclical. People are going to learn how to stop it. Shut up. End the argument. Figure out how to stop it. These are the same people that said the forward pass is going to ruin football. Give me a freaking break, Johnny. Is the play safe? It appears safe so far. Um, does it need to be an adjustment on the rule? Maybe. I mean, call me simple. The, the easiest thing, if you want to adjust it, the easiest thing that to say is to limit the amount of pushers to the ball carrier. Now, that may sound like a big deal, but maybe it's not. When you watch one of these this weekend, how many guys are actually pushing the back of the person carrying the ball? A lot of times, it's only one or two at a time. I think that may be a limitation to, to do. We are pro-balance around here. We would like more running and passing to be kind of balanced out. I don't think we want it just to be pass, pass, pass sport like a pitcher throwing a game. So I'm not opposed to this, and I like the fact that it promotes running. I want to see more teams doing it on first and second down because they can yes. get productive runs of four yards or more. And it's it, so um, let's see what I they do. I remember my I, buddy, Dominic Riola. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Great guy, great friend. His son right now is the number one quarterback prospect in America with this latest recruiting class. Great guy. And he came up with a play that in short yardage, when there's nobody in front of him, 
he would call something out and the, he would hike the ball and the quarterback would just follow him. And it, I mean, they would do it first down, second down, didn't matter and pick up huge yards. Again, I love watching the game evolve. I don't want more rules. I'm tired of rules, rules. Shut up. We don't need any more legislation. We need no more, no more bureaucracy. Let the guys play. All right, let's get to our picks. Johnny Guitars, let's go. There are four games that are bigger and better and more important this weekend than any other. They seem somewhat obvious, but these are the featured foursome. The first is Philadelphia-Dallas. It's monster. It's monster in the NFC East. Eagles appear to be the better team still. No team is perfect. No team is perfectly healthy. Mike McCarthy may be Eagles. there, should be there. Hopefully, you think the Eagles are going to get him? There's a it lot is. more pressure. Yes, I Dallas. think the Eagles. There's more pressure on Dallas here. I think the Eagles are a better team as well. You know, I'm going to say this. Dallas is a good football team with the most annoying they're constantly propped up because their fan base is huge when they're good, which I understand. But they melt in playoff settings. And until they prove to me they can win big games, I'm riding with the Eagles. Maybe the top NFL head coaching candidate is Dan Quinn. Maybe. We'll see that in a couple of weeks. I like that guy quite a bit. I think he's going to get a lot of calls. Buffalo at Kansas City. Sounds great. Look at the standings. Buffalo is absolutely back against the wall. They've got some off-field distractions, controversy, or worse, but they have to win this game. What did we see in recent weeks? We saw it with the Bengals last week. They put up a big fight, and they won a game they had to have. The Bills have got to have this one, any shot in Kansas City. You know, I always laugh because every time I say something, people come back, oh, okay, I'm out here. I give my opinion. I don't think Kansas City is as good as – as. I, that's not true. I think they're a very good football team. I think they're struggling right now a little bit. So I think they're susceptible, but not at home. I'm riding with the Chiefs. I, I think it's because I don't think the Bills are as good as we thought. Um, I, th I would not be shocked with a Bills win, but I'm expecting a Chiefs win. I think the Bills are too injured to win the Super Bowl, but I'm also going to go with the Bill Parcells rule and pick the team that can afford to lose the least. In this case, that is the Bills. I don't know why, other than that. The Bills cannot lose. I think they find a way. Now, Indianapolis at Cincinnati is interesting if you want to talk about the playoff situation. These are teams, obviously, that uh, others in the AFC are going to pay attention to. Cincinnati grits their way. It looks like they're going to get blown out of Jacksonville at the start of the game. They don't. They end up somehow pulling it out. They get the quarterback from the University of Washington from seven years ago. Played excellent. The Bengals now have some momentum. Shouldn't the, I think the Bengals are going to knock the Colts out. I don't know what the Colts are even doing having won as many games as they have. Cincinnati's going to kill them. Yeah, and you know some of my friends on the team. So I, if I picked against them, they would kill me. So no, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. I'm riding with the Bengals here. The last one is in Las Vegas. There's no question. Minnesota at the Raiders that we know where the Raiders are in their uh, standings. I saw a stat that said 1.4% chance of making playoffs. 
Now we also know where Minnesota is. Justin Jefferson comes back. So that means Jefferson and Addison are out wide. That's a problem. Hawkinson's a tight end. That's a problem. Dobbs really bad last week. How does he recover? This is one that really does matter because the loser is probably done. And right now the Vikings are in playoff range. We know the unique know spot of the Vikings schedule where they've got the Lions two out of the last three weeks. This is one of the best games of the week. You'll be there. I may be there. Minnesota at Las Vegas. You may be there? I may. We'll talk about it. Good. We're doing dinner. Yes, for sure. Okay. Uh, so this is I'm, 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 I'm Raiders. They're going to win this game. I think that the Raiders, if they can get, I know it sounds cliche. If they can get north of 24 points, I think they've got an 8 out of 10 chance of winning. How do they get there? I don't know. They probably need a little help from Josh Dobbs. They probably need some help from Josh Dobbs, and they probably need a fantastic game from the running back, Jacobs. I think and I think, I let me just say this. I think they're going to be a little more aggressive with Aiden O'Connell. Just giving an opinion. I'm going to go 26-17 Raiders, a little bit of an oddball score. A woulda, coulda, shoulda for Minnesota. Minnesota woulda, coulda, shoulda won. They probably let it get a little looser in the, the first part of the game than they should have the first half. Um, the Raiders know what's on the line. Two games, five days. I think they're going to come out ready to rock and punch, and they can disrupt Josh Dobbs with you-know-who. And I think you know who's going to have a big day in the backfield for Minnesota. He's going to be in there a lot. I agree with you 100%. All right, that's the great Johnny Shop joining us for this week's podcast. John Stanline, I want to talk to you, but hopefully get to see you in Vegas this weekend. Thank you, everybody. Now, remember, this is Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. This is Johnny Shop. He has a podcast on the Fans First Sports Network called Spartan Pride. We also, we I, I do a podcast every day, as you all know. But also, we have our pod, this podcast, every day available for those that just want to listen to the audio because you don't want to look at me. I don't blame you. Um, you can pick that up at Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. But I do a second podcast every day. It's 5 to 15 minutes called Riding with Hondo. It's just an exclusive for our audio-only audience with just tidbits of information and knowledge that I get that I want to share. Check that out as well. But from all of us to you, happy Festivus for the rest of us. Merry Christmas. And, John, thank you for joining us again this week, bud. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network.